I had a brother too that was born nine years after me, and uh, he had some some like mental issues growing up, and and he uh, searched out drugs and, and alcohol as well, and he ended up overdosing and dying when he was 17. I was 25 at the time, and uh, at that point when I was 25, I hadn't really done the drugs that he was doing. Um, and swore I never would at that point, having a brother, you know, pass away to that. And it was a horrible experience, as you can imagine, for the entire family and just nearly destroyed my, my parents. And But, you know, it um, through that process, it brought us closer. Recovery Insider. Recovery Insider. Recovery Insider. Recovery Insider. This is Recovery Insider. Hello, and welcome to Recovery Insider. I'm your host, Tim Myers. We have a great program for you tonight. Steve, my original sponsee, is going to be telling you his story live from Delray Beach, Florida. It's a fantastic story, and um, you know he's the first sponsee that I ever got through uh, the steps all the way from 1 to 12, and um, just a heck of a great guy with a real inspiring story. As always, our program is being brought to you by our sponsor, Lighthouse Recovery Institute. Lighthouse Recovery Institute, the leaders in gender-specific addiction treatment. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-844-I-CAN-CHANGE. That's 1-844-I-CAN-CHANGE. Or visit them online at lighthouserecoveryinstitute.com. Um, please send send people there. Listen, it's a fantastic facility. It's affordable the best clinical staff, I will go on record to say, the best clinical staff in all of South Florida. So please give this number to someone who may need it. 1-844-I-CAN-CHANGE. Call them. They will take care of you. You will be in great hands with them. Um, also visit our website, recoveryinsiderpodcast.com or shoot us an email at recoveryinsider at gmail.com if you'd like to be on the show. So yeah, that's it. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Please do that. It's like really totally important to me. Please do that. So listen, if you didn't get to a meeting today, don't worry. I'm bringing one to you right now. Here is Steve's story. This is an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are glad that you are all here, especially the newcomer. In keeping with our singleness of purpose in our third tradition, which states the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking, we now ask that all who wish to participate confine their discussion to problems and solutions related to alcoholism. Um, tonight's speaker um, is a gentleman I've known for quite some time, and who I had, uh, I call him my original sponsee, he's the first one that I took all the way through the steps, and um, uh, it's, he's also my dog father, he's the godfather of our dog, and um, I can't believe he's sober as much time as he is now, It's it's been a privilege, and um, I'll never forget when things turned around for him and 
he was going back out and back out, and I wasn't quite sure what to do as like a new sponsor. I didn't know if I should have him get a different sponsor or whatever, and someone told me, what would it be like if somebody never gave up on you? And I've never given up on him, and he's never given up on this program, and now I give you Steve. Thanks, Tim. I'm Steve. I'm an alcoholic. <clears throat> like Tim said, I was, um, I kept going out for, for a while. My sobriety date is um, December 3rd, 2012. And I came to Florida in, in uh, 2009, actually uh, January 2nd, 2009. So that full year. And um, it took me a while. And also in Pennsylvania, before coming down here, I was in recovery or attempting it for a little over a year. And um, it didn't really, didn't really change for me until, until like, I, I feel like I, I like wasn't ready to be sober. Hadn't had, I'm not sure if it was the consequences or, I, I think for me, the, I just got tired of um, putting myself and my family through all the pain that, that they were going through and I was going through and all the setbacks. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania, uh, outside Philadelphia, to to a good family, and um, <clears throat> you know I came to realize that uh, that alcoholism, for a long time, I blamed what I did with drugs and alcohol on circumstances like you know this happened when I was a kid. I was you know like uh, my parents weren't around or my family screwed up and this and that or friends influenced me and you would do that too if you were me that kind of attitude. And I've come to realize that um, it didn't really matter, you know, what happened. I would have ended up um, where I am today, or, or, or more like where I was uh, three and a half years ago, regardless of, of the circumstances. You know, like looking back um, to my childhood and early teen years, I was always, you know, looking, searching for something else and pushing the boundaries of, uh, of, of like what I was supposed to do. Um, as far as what I was allowed to do, and and uh, the idea of changing my consciousness always always uh, appealed to me. You know, I remember in fourth grade, for show and tell, like wanting to bring in uh, cocaine to to show and tell. I had I hadn't done cocaine at that point, but I was fascinated with the idea of drugs. You know, like there was a book in the library about drugs, and I read that book and and um, asked my parents if I could if they could get me cocaine to bring in the school for show and tell. I you know didn't know. It. It was that you know it was illegal or anything. I was in fourth grade. I actually brought in flour instead and um, tried to <laughs> do that. So, but um, like I said, like my my family was it was a good family. My parents, you know, cared. They're they're like working class people. They they came up from small be um, small beginnings themselves. They put themselves through through college while they're raising me. Um, night school went on to have uh, a Debekin, an engineer, started out as a janitor when I was born. And, um, you know, like um, like I said before, like I tried to blame certain things. Like they were at school, night school, so they were, I was on, on my own a lot. So I, I tried, to, tried to, to, to portray that like I was, um, you know, neglected or something. But they were loving parents, and there's really nothing, nothing to point to as far as that goes. But um, pretty much like a normal, well, for my 
uh, high school neighborhood, normal type of thing, like in high school around 13, 14. On weekends, you know, some kids would steal some beer from their dad's dad's cooler or uh, some liquor from the cabin, and I would drink on the weekends here and there, and that gradually progressed through high school to where I was smoking pot, you know, on weekends. And all this, like, um, my story is pretty much a story of progression. I didn't, I didn't, like, you know, become an alcoholic uh, or didn't come to the consequences of alcoholism and, and drug addiction in my teens or my 20s. I didn't actually develop a serious problem or a problem serious enough that that caused me to to address it until I was like 32 or 33 but um you know that it, it progressed through through my teens and through um, my 20s I went to college graduated college got a good job and traveled and all the all the while you know gradually progressed to to, to harder and, and harder drugs and more more drinking to the point where I was uh traveling for work and drinking every night and in the mornings and during, during the day and doing other forms of alcohol as well. And that progressed to the point that, um, that my parents watched it back up. My, I had a brother, too, that was born nine years after me. And uh, he had some, some like mental issues growing up, and, and he uh, searched out drugs and, and alcohol as well. And... He ended up overdosing and dying when he was 17. I was 25 at the time. And uh, at that point when I was 25, I hadn't really done the drugs that he was doing um, and swore I never would at that point, having a brother you know, pass away to that. And it was a horrible experience, as you can imagine, for the entire family and just nearly destroyed my, my parents. And, but you know, it, um, through that process, it brought us closer like I said, I swear I would never, you know, touch those drugs. It took me another five years before I, I entertained the thought of, of of doing that. I was in a car accident the following year and was introduced to painkillers, and that um, started that road. That that you know, I was doing the pills for a number of years before some, before it became um, an option for me to to do to other other things. But um, in that process. My parents um, realized that uh, I was still employed. I still had a good job. I was still making it to work and everything. And they came to me and said, "You know, it's, it's apparent you have a you have a problem, and um, we can't be a party." It was kind of a kind of a uh, mini mini intervention where they came and said that um, if you don't get some help, we're not going to we can't be a part of your life. And I agreed to that because I, I recognized that I had a, a serious problem and I needed to do something about it. But I wasn't really ready to to stop. I wasn't ready to really do what it took to to stay sober. I was willing to go to um, the detox, and that was it. I went for de detox for five days, and then did outpatient. Uh, you know, I didn't stay sober for two days after detox. I used pretty much as soon as I got out. But I went, to, but I went to outpatient for three or four weeks, kind of faking it, and going. To, I went to went to my first meetings at that point too, and was um, first introduced to the program, and and knew that there was. A solution, but I, I didn't think I was truly an addict at that point. I figured I could still smoke pot and drink beer as long as I didn't do those those those, those certain drugs. I would be I'd be okay. Um, and that that um, fallacy continued for probably close to ten years, to where I, I had myself convinced that I wasn't truly an alcoholic or an addict. That I just developed this problem with this one substance, and if I just stayed away from that, and um, I'll be okay. But you know, I, I recognize now. It took me a long time to, to realize that the only solution is complete sobriety for me. You know, like uh, it doesn't matter what 
what I take in, if I'm trying to change my consciousness, even if, even if it's cough medicine or whatever, if I, if I, you know, if I take it for the wrong, it's, it's about, you know, it's about uh, motivation of what you're taking. If you're, trying to, if you're trying to change how you feel as a result of whatever you're taking, it's the same thing, whether it's pills or cocaine or alcohol or whiskey, whatever. But um, <clears throat> so that that happened um, a little over ten years ago. Then, uh, like I said, I, I continued to, to to drink, and then probably about five years later, it got bad enough again where my parents came to me and said that you need to um, to do something about this. We can't, you know, watch you do this. And I agreed to go. At this point, actually, I, I lost my job. Um, I got laid off from that good job that I had. I was there for eight years total. And um, after a certain point, I was, you know, just classic um, alcoholic behaviors, being late for work and, and, you know, poor performance. And I got laid off. And and I was uh, living off of the money I'd saved in, uh, during those those years with this company. And, and the um, so they came and said that, you know, you need to do something. Uh, we, you know, we're like willing to send you to treatment if you want to go. And at this point, I, I was I was out of my my money, um, so I thought it, 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 that was a good time for me to to go. And like again, I I, I recognized that there was there was an issue that had to be addressed. But I wasn't wasn't ready to really um, do what it took to you know to stay to stay sober. Um, I had a reservation in my head that you know after I got went to this treatment center and. and Got a job again and got some money together in an apartment again that I would um, I would use again on, on weekends or something. I would drink on weekends, and um, with that with that mind frame, that with that preservation in the back of my head, it didn't take long. It took maybe three days this time before I I drank again. And um, at that point, I had moved back to my parents' house because, like I said, the apartment the money I, that I had saved had run out, and I, and I left the apartment, and put my stuff in the storage. Plan was to go there and after treatment to go stay at their house for three or four months until I got um, a job again and money together to get an apartment, and that um, <clears throat> you know I started drinking right away and um, hiding it from them the whole time, getting caught here and there. I was there for a year doing that, and um, I never left. I could never you know I, I got caught into a cycle that lasted for the next four or five years. Um, uh, to the point where <clears throat> I was uh, staying staying in my brother's room, my brother had passed away. Um, I was I was staying in his room when I moved back to my parents' house, and uh, after some time, I was doing the same thing that he was doing in that room, uh, and my mom had found you know found out what I was doing, and it, it, it that really crushed my parents having you know having going through what they going through what they went through with my brother and then, then for me to be doing that same thing, it's, um, it's really shameful to, to think of it that way. But that's, you know, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the heat of the addiction or whatever, we don't consider other people's feelings. You know, all we care about is, or I should say, like, all I cared about was, you know, of course I cared about their feelings, but um, the, the primary urge of, of, of needing to, to drink and get high was, was, was larger than, than that. So when that happened, like I said, they were crushed, and they um, they agreed to send me to treatment again. And they said, um, I, at this point, I was going to see a therapist in Philadelphia, and I was on a on a maintenance program. 
And the therapist recommended Florida, this place in Florida that I came to <clears throat> seven years ago now. And um, the idea was you, you get a, a, a one-way plane ticket to this place, and then you come here and you get a job and, and you stay. And I, was, I really had no other options, and I, I was pretty broken at that point, and um, I was willing to do pretty much anything. Um, I thought I was ready to be sober at that point. Really, I was just, uh, I had no other options, I think, and I was willing to, to, um, to give it a shot. I came down here and went and finished treatment, did well, I guess, and um, <clears throat> one day shy of my six-month anniversary, I, I, I uh, relapsed and, and hit it uh, for a couple weeks and then got caught where I was living with, with, um, with a friend. And then um, that started this, the cycle in Florida for the next three, almost four years of um, in and out of halfway houses not staying sober, but uh, pretending to be sober, getting uh, caught and kicked out, and then putting together, you know, supposedly six or, or nine months, and then getting caught again. Really, I really had never more, never had more than a couple weeks, or usually never more than a week. And um, <clears throat> Tim mentioned that uh, that he never gave up on me, and uh, that's that's where that him and, and my halfway house owner. Uh, he also never gave up on me, you know. Like I, um, in in that time too, I also left the halfway house environment and stayed with friends from work, and that's when it really got bad. Before I met, before I uh, asked him to be my sponsor, I was drinking pure alcohol at that just alcohol at that point, to the point where I, um, he was drinking morning, day, and night, <clears throat> and uh, when I eventually stopped, I, I, I you know, had tremor, uh, DTS and alcohol withdrawal, which I'd never experienced before. And, um, you know, all through, the, through this three, three or four-year period, I was uh, going to visit my, my family, my parents, every, you know, for holidays and things, and, and, and them thinking I was sober. And um, I got arrested down here in 2010 also uh, with, for possession and was sentenced to drug court, which Drug court's a one-year program, supposedly, and you complete the program, and then the charges are dropped. But um, if, if you're you're like tested ra randomly, and there's uh, outpatient groups and, and things, and it's on a sliding scale, where the longer you're in, the easier it gets. And when you fail a drug test, you go to jail for one day. The second drug test, you fail, you go to, fail, you go to jail for two days, and so forth, until the fifth one is five days, and then then you go to CARP for six months. And then if you fail after that, you go to jail for 30 days, and then you still have one chance. And I did all those things. I failed every drug test I could and did all the, every um, consequence they had. I got I kicked out of CARP as well for drinking. Went to jail for 30 days, and then finally completed the program successfully somehow. I didn't stay sober during that time even. I just didn't get caught any, um, during that time. So, um, and during this time too, I'd, I'd also been working for, uh, you know, like I had a good corporate job before college education, and I was working for Labor Ready, which is which is like a day labor place um, where you show up at five in the morning and wait for for a job, and end up digging digging ditches for seven twenty five an hour, make fifty dollars, you know, a day, and I was doing that for almost two years. Uh, that was pretty miserable, but um. 
I tend, tend to be my to be my sponsor after that after that period of drinking, where I think I felt like I'd um, I'd had enough and I was ready to ready to change. And when I asked him to, to my um, asked him to sponsor me, I was still drinking at that point. And Tim said, you know, just call me call me every day. I don't care if you drink, just still call me. And I, I did for a couple weeks. And then after a certain point, I I did stop drinking. Um, And then we started doing the steps, and for a period of the next few months, I, I still, I, I drank again after about a month, and um, I didn't tell him at first, and one day we were in the car to, to do step work, and he smelled it on me, and he called me out on it. And it happened two or three more times, and um, <clears throat> finally after I was caught, I, I, was, I was back in the halfway house at, at this point, and I got caught there drinking, was kicked was kicked out for three days, and then um, uh, throughout this, this this whole process, though with 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 Tim, I had um, not told him the truth about the fact that I had been drinking all through. You know, we it, it had been three or four months, three or four months that we were, we were working together, and I think to his knowledge, I drank two times, maybe three times, when really it was like five or six times, and um, after that last time. When everyone knew, like all along, like my mo was to, you know, I got caught. Everyone, you know, it's I got caught this one time. I'm, I'm getting honest about this one time. So all the other times before that no one knows about don't matter because I'm starting from this one day. And this whole flawed, you know, logic of uh, of half honesty doesn't work. And I, I realized that that last time where I, I was sitting in a meeting after that time and uh, thinking about. You know, I, I'm not going to stay sober unless I get honest with, with him at least, and and tell him what's what's been going on. And um, I talked to a guy after the meeting and, and decided to tell him, and and um, he, when when I told him, he said you have to tell your your parents what's been going on, and you have to tell your halfway house owner, and that was uh, that was a hard thing to do because I was so so caught in that cycle of uh, of hiding the truth of what had been going on for the past three, three, uh, three and a half years, you know, for, for, for some of those people. So um, ha having done that, though, that was, um, you know, I, I, I called my, uh, my parents with, with Tim in the car, and that was a, a big changing point for me to, because um, I had just been, this was in, in early December, and I had just been home for Thanksgiving. They thought I had like nine or ten months sober. They were proud of me and, and stuff, and I had to tell them that I'd been drinking the whole time. And they were just crushed again. And um, hearing them cry and and hearing them so hurt, I just you know didn't want to. I just I just couldn't do that anymore. And I felt so terrible about myself for for doing that that I decided I was going to give it a real shot and and do these steps honestly. I'd done the steps before, but um, not honestly and not soberly. I I drank you know throughout the process, and obviously it's not going to work if you're drinking while you're doing your steps. So um, I decided to uh, you know to give it my all this time, and I did, and that's what made the difference for me. Um, I went through the steps, and and, and uh, Tim really pushed me to to get involved, you know, to share meetings, to um, share at meetings, sponsor guys. You know, at four months, I was taking my first guys through the steps, and um, 
that was a life-changing experience for me to, to be this really involved in the program. I was always, you know, one to show up late and leave early, just like do the bare minimum as far as the halfway house commitments to, to go to meetings and to, and to be in, in the program, supposedly in that. Like for me, like uh, everyone's different, but for me, like I have to be involved. I have to be at the center, as they say. For my first year, I was going to meetings like every every day, and um, I was I was really involved, and and that's what really brought it, brought it together. And I I try to I try to carry on. Like you know, they say um, if you do <clears throat> if you, if you keep doing what you did, you know, you, like, you, you never have to do it. You never have to start over again. And that's that's a pretty simple. Uh, equation to follow. Um, for a long time, I, you know, like uh, one of the reasons that I didn't really give the program a shot too was that I thought that it wouldn't work for me. That I thought I was I was too sick. Um, that it just wouldn't work. You know, it's, it's worked for you and you and you, but you're different than me. It's not going to work for me. And um, that's part of the reason. I, I, part of the reason. I, I never, never gave it a true shot. Also, is because you know why even try if it's not going to work. And um, after working the steps to the best of my ability, openly and honestly, and coming to realize that you know the the twelfth step of having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, um, that's a guarantee. You know, for anyone who does these steps, one hundred percent to the best, or, or just the best of your ability openly and honestly, you'll have a spiritual awakening. The point of these steps is to open you up and give you a relationship with your higher power, whatever you, you know, want that to be. For me, it's God, and um, there's lots of, you know, things to go with that, but um, that's, the, that's the big thing that I try to tell guys I work with is, you know, it's, um, it's 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 really a great amazing thing. It's a it's so simple and it works for everybody. If, if you just if you just give it a shot, and um, closing yourself off to it definitely doesn't help. It makes it you know it may seem hard and it may seem scary, but it's really it's really not. Just do what your sponsor says. Just get a sponsor and do what he says or she says. And it's as simple as that. And thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Steve. It'll always be one of the best days of my life, the day that we called your parents from the car. It, I'll look back on it, and I'll, I'll never forget it, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and it just, nothing was ever the same for either of us after that day. It was The great part about sponsoring people is you get those experiences that you can never take away. All right, that's it for the program. Um, Steven, if you're listening, I love you. You're the best. The original sponsee, my first love. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's our program. Thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to our podcast. Please visit LighthouseRecoveryInstitute.com or call 1-844-I-CAN-CHANGE if you or someone you know needs help. Tune in next week. It's going to be a fantastic one. And, uh... That's it. For Recovery Insider, I'm your host, Tim Myers. Stay sober, my friends. <laughs>